The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I am so delighted to welcome you to the show today. I think you'll know why I am so looking forward to this show. Today's show, as usual, is brought to you by Slim Roast Coffee. It has to be the easiest way ever to lose weight. Drink a cup of coffee and let the pounds come off. I've lost 43, and I'm quite delighted. To know more, go to the Self-Improvement blog and click on the cup of coffee in the sidebar. While you're there, take a look at our guest's picture and read her bio. You're going to want to do that anyway. Some years ago, about 1990 or so, I had retired from active health care, sold a business I'd founded, and wondered what on earth I was going to do next. A friend of mine offered me office space if I would help with his seminars, and I accepted. He was a hypnotherapist and had just expanded his practice and his office and asked me to join them. So I did because I didn't know what I was going to do anyway. Might as well have a place to do whatever. He got really busy. He had put on an extra therapist, and he asked me to do his intake interviews. And because I was doing that, the new therapist said, you you need to be a hypnotherapist. And I said, I don't think so. Uh -uh, No. But pretty soon they coerced me into studying hypnosis and hypnotherapy, and I started doing therapy with them. I became a student of the mind and have been fascinated with it ever since. I, ha- I, I went on to establish my own hypnotherapy practice and had the privilege of helping a lot of people resolve what they believe to be insurmountable problems. Learning the power of the subconscious mind creates a whole new understanding of human behavior and makes you aware of how easily people can be influenced through the power of the mind. It can be used for good or for what I call not good purposes, and we're going to talk about it today. And yes, we have an expert with us. Marie Jones is the author of the best-selling book, Mind Wars, The History of Mind Control, Surveillance, and Social Engineering, among a host of other books that she's authored. She appeared on the History Channel's Nostradamus Effect and the Ancient Aliens television series discussing the power of three, sacred geometry, and ancient knowledge. She is considered an authority on the paranormal, UFOs, cutting-edge science, noetics, consciousness, ancient mysteries, and conspiracies. That's a lot to be an expert on. She spent over 15 years as a trained field investigator for the Mutual UFO Network in San Diego and Los Angeles. She also worked with the Center for UFO Studies and Fund for UFO Research. She's been a radio show host for the popular Parafringe 
and Dreamland shows and has been interviewed on over 1,500 radio shows worldwide and in dozens of print and online publications. I told you she was an expert, and I am absolutely delighted to welcome Marie Jones to the Self-Improvement Show. Marie, welcome. Well, thank you for having me on. It's such a pleasure. I am so delighted because this is such a great topic and and very timely. Uh, A lot of people are talking about all of these things. But let's start at the beginning. I have that hated question I ask everybody that comes on the show. (laughs) Tell us about yourself. Oh, the dreaded dreaded question. Wow. Well, since I know we don't have a whole lot of time, <laughs> you know, I, I think the best way to put it is I I grew up somebody who was real curious about the world around me, an avid, avid reader and explorer and learner. And I started writing when I was very, very young. So uh, I was just destined to be a writer because to me that is my... Uh, you know, my form of expressing the things that I learn and that I get excited about and that I want to share with other people. And I'm also a single mom raising a 14-year-old son and just somebody that really likes to look below the surface of a, of a subject and then share what I discover with whoever is willing to read my books or listen to me. <laughs> you have ink in your veins. I think you have ink. How did you come to be interested in UFOs, the paranormal, mind control, and all of these esoteric subjects? I mean, they're fascinating. How did you get into them? Uh, you know, I've just, that's another really strange thing that people ask me. Now, ever since I was really, you know, I'm talking maybe four or five years old, I was reading and I was writing. I was a little advanced. And I remember just loving, you know, books and stories about science and astronomy and astronauts and space. And and for some strange reason, I was very much into UFOs and aliens and ghost stories. And people will say, well, did something happen to you when you were you were adopted? <laughs> and I don't really remember anything. I, you know, my father was a scientist. He was a geophysicist. And my mom was just a really spiritual, creative person. So I just think that I was allowed to be exposed to anything and everything, you know, again, going to the library every week and just stocking up on books to read on a variety of subjects and and loving science at a very early age, but also understanding that there was a hidden aspect to reality that was probably explainable one day by science, but not quite yet. So, you know, nowadays we call it the paranormal but just from yeah. an early age, just realizing that there was more to reality than met the eye. For some of us, it's just more normal than normal. But anyway, I want, I want to digress a little bit before we get into mind control. This morning, we saw the contrail of the missile that was launched in New Mexico. And our conversation in our little group was turned to UFOs by this. Now, I know the show's about mind control, but can you talk briefly about UFOs? Are they real? And is there enough proof to demonstrate that they are indeed real? 
I have my own opinions about it, but what are yours? Well, you know, here's the thing. Unidentified flying objects are real. Yeah. And people see them all the time. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're alien craft. I think that's where people, you know, get into a little bit of trouble is just making the assumption that anything that you can't really identify that you see in the sky is automatically uh, an alien craft with, you know, little creatures from another universe in it. And that very well could be. I think that there are so many different things that are going on. I think people are seeing just things that natural phenomena that they can't identify. They're seeing military tests and prototypes. And they're also seeing, albeit a much smaller percentage, I believe, craft from other realities, other universes, other timelines. There is absolutely no reason to believe that we are alone and that we are the most technologically advanced creatures um, you know, in, in this universe or any other. And, and the funny thing is, is that my father, who was a, a brilliant scientist, he and many of his colleagues, they were really obsessed with the subject of UFOs. And many of them believed in them, too. And even if they couldn't talk about it openly uh, in the halls of academia, but they, you know, they did understand that there was a phenomenon occurring that wasn't 100% explainable. So, yeah, I absolutely think that they're real. I think people just need to be careful when they automatically attach the alien uh, explanation to them. Well, it's easy to do that. I think a lot of people have a problem that they think information is being withheld, that there's somebody that knows all about it and won't tell us. You know, I, I, I think that's part of why there's so, such a mystique about them. You know, if they say, here's what we know, and lay it all out, uh, probably everybody settle back down and say, oh, maybe so. I don't know. That's just my, what I think. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Back, back to the topic. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you had to do a great deal of research to write this book. Well, you know, how, how did you even go about oh. researching <laughs> mind control? Anytime I write a book or if I've uh, written a book with Larry Flaxman, my co-author, it's grueling research. And But we, we pick subjects that fascinate us because that makes it a little bit easier. But anybody who's ever written a nonfiction book like this knows how difficult and how hard it is to get the information and, you know, not only that, but to decide what stays in and what doesn't, what you have room for based upon your, the, you know, what the publisher's word count demand is. What is When I wrote my first book years ago, which was about quantum physics and the paranormal, I realized that I had already kind of stumbled on a really great way to do things, and that was... When I start thinking about a book or if Larry and I start thinking about something we want want to write about, we start collecting information at that point. And the first thing that we do is, you know, we approach the publisher with a chapter outline. So we kind of know where we want to go with it. And we've already amassed a, a bit of research. And once, you know, once the deal is done, you really have to hit the ground running I also have the luxury of a lot of colleagues and friends in the conspiracy field, the paranormal field, the the metaphysical field, ancient knowledge, 
science, you know, you name it, that I can go to and say, I need some information on this, or I need your insight, or, you know, would you like to contribute a piece about this particular subject? So, but it is very time-consuming. I mean, you have so many different things that you touch on that alone would make a book. <laughs> and yes, yes, yet absolutely. You, you got some fairly comprehensive research. How long did it take you to get all the research together before you started writing? Um, probably, I think we had with this book a six-month window Um and I think probably the first two months were just getting everything, getting, uh, and, and I'm very old school. Larry is a little bit different. I'm real old school in that I have to print out everything and put them in those old, you know, manila folders. I, and I totally understand, yes. Them. Yeah, yeah, and I get laughed at for that, but that's what works for me. So a couple of months, and then you just have to dive into the writing, and when inevitably what will happen is, especially with a book like this, is that as you're writing, you come across more and more and more. What we intended to do with Mind Wars was give a very comprehensive overview of these subjects, because like you said, each and every chapter could have been a whole book, probably 10 books, like cults, for example. My gosh, you know, we could have just kept going on and on with cults. Um, But we wanted to give people the ability to buy one book, and get a comprehensive overview and, and maybe get more interested in a certain subject. And then they can go off and they can do more reading and research on their own. And we always provide a good bibliography in the back of where we get material and other, you know, suggested books that we would love to see um, people read. And I spend a good bit of time on the bibliography. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love getting books with bibliographies because if I get excited, it's like, oh, I don't want this just to be the only book. What else can I go get and read? (laughs) On that note, Mm. let's go to break. Um, When we come back, we'll really start getting into the, the meat of mind control. This is Irene Conlon saying stay tuned. We'll be back with more with Marie Jones. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Marie Jones. We're talking about her book, Mind Wars. Marie, you state in your book, the human mind is the last bastion of privacy where we can be who we are, think about what we want, and behave in accordance with our values and beliefs. But the pervasive presence of mind control and mental manipulation threatens to take away that basic and fundamental human right, the right to own your own mind. Let's talk about mind control, who does it, and how they go about it. In your opinion, who has the most powerful influence on the mind? If there's a biggie, who is it? Wow. I want to say that, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, the government, the government. And that's true to an extent. I think that there are two big dynamics at work here. One of them will surprise people. So I'll talk about the other one first. I think the most pervasive uh, mind control that we're living with daily comes from the media, especially the news. Um, Journalism died a long time ago. The news that we are getting today is not news. It's opinion. It's spin. It's sponsored. It's paid for. It's bought, you know, by whoever has the particular agenda that they want to get out. And oftentimes, if you watch the news, you can tell who that is by how many commercials you see that are either from, you know, pharmaceutical industry or the automotive industry or what have you. So the media, but the bigger one and the one that I think people really need to be more aware of is how mind control techniques, the very same techniques that were used by the government you know, during the brainwashing era of Project MKUltra, which we can talk about, and that are used in cults, are used in our interpersonal daily relationships, whether it's with spouses, lovers, friends, parents and children, bosses and employees. There are, there's so much manipulation of the mind and thoughts and actions and behaviors going on in interpersonal exchanges that people don't understand, and I think that's why we have so many people who feel weak, who feel ineffective, who who are codependent. Uh, you know, they may be the victims of psychopaths, narcissists, sociopaths, what have you. It, this is the most pervasive and the most personal uh, part of mind control. So you've got that sort of big government media military monster over in one corner, and then you've got the stuff that we do to each other, the lying and the manipulation, the deception, the gaslighting, the, you know, the different um, intermittent reinforcement techniques of domestic violence and abuse. My gosh, 
the whole personal realm is the beast that's in the other corner. And you see that all the time in children who are told continuously that they're not good enough, they'll never make it. Uh, That's mind control. It is. It is. And it's very dangerous. It's very devastating. And as a as a parent, you know, there are nights that I lay awake wondering if something I said to my child five years ago. You know, I know. Caused, I mean, you know, I think that's natural. But because when I when in writing and researching this book, it really opened my eyes to how we influence and affect each other, especially the people that love us, that are close to us, how we manipulate, how we don't even understand the very techniques that we're using on them. We brainwash. We brainwash our spouses. We brainwash children. We brainwash, you know, bosses, brainwash employees. And there's an awful lot of cult-like behavior with if we get involved in religion or politics and it's just such a part of our day-to-day lives we don't even think about it I we, think don't that's the it. we don't we don't think it. about what we think about our thoughts that are in our mind probably aren't even our own but we're not thinking about what we think about we just yeah. you know we're so distracted and I'm so glad you said that one of the things that I ask a lot on the blog I write about it on the blog talk about it on this show and I ask the question what do you believe that you weren't told you had to believe do you know what you believe about things because you chose to and very few people can say, yes, I know a couple of things that I believe in that right. I worked on myself. Yeah. So yeah. basically, we're going around believing what everybody told us we should, and then we get really confused when we meet somebody who has the other side of the story, and they seem as credible as the one who gave us the first information, then what do yeah. we do with it? You know, it's uh, very confusing, and most people have never had the opportunity to think through the most critical beliefs like, who am I? Who's God? Is there one? If so, you know, what's that about? You know, right. You know, right. politics is another one. Uh, yeah. You know, how do you come to that belief? Are you sure that that's where they stand? What's their platform? Have you studied it? Do you really know the facts? I just, you know, right, and, and right. people look at you like, are you, are you crazy? Why would you even ask me that question? I think a lot of people, especially with politics and religion, they sort of automatically absorb what they're taught in their family unit, their parents, their grandparents, their, their uh, you know, nationality, the traditions that they grow up with. And they accept a lot of that without question because it is hard to question your own identity. And to make changes if it's not who you really are. And oftentimes you clash with family members, you know, parents especially or grandparents that have a certain belief system. And if you want to learn to think for yourself, you're not always supported in doing that. So Very rarely are you supported yes, in doing and, that. And, and as a parent now, I try to be very careful. I obviously have my beliefs and opinions that I've amassed from my life experiences, but I can't automatically sh- 
shoved them down my son's throat because he's got his own way of looking at the world. And as much as I want to guide him, I really can only guide him to be a good person. Whatever he chooses to believe, um, you know, politically, religiously, whatever. Those are going to have to be things that he learns from his own life experiences. And that's really hard to give up the power as a parent you know, to not want to just say, no, you need to think like me and do this and do that, or I'm not going. I mean, it's unconditional love, which is something we're not all used to having, <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> so we have conditions. Now, and we have parents who say, this is how we believe <laughs> you you will accept this. Uh, right. I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that almost this way. Yes, we've always done it this way, and yeah, that doesn't yeah. mean it has to continue to be that way. <laughs> but what about hard. education? Well, uh, where where you know, It seems to me there's a good bit of mind control there as well. You, you know, we we really don't let kids figure things out as much as we just tell them how it is. I think that this new generation has access to some of the most creative ways to go to school that, you know, we didn't have. Now my son is in a charter school where because he has a disability and he has a lot of surgeries, um, he does most of his schooling at home. It's not homeschool. There is a physical school a few blocks away that he can go into at any time, but kids that are not able to do that can do it from home, and they have teachers, and they communicate with their teachers. Parents have nothing to do with it. And at first, I was real worried about that because I thought, well, what I like about public schools or even private schools is the socialization, but... He's making friends, and he's doing his work at his own pace, and he gets to do unique classes that he wouldn't might not be offered through the public school. However, I happen to live in an area of the country that has the most wonderful public schools, so I have no criticism of them. My only criticism is that the textbooks, and the curriculum is often outdated. There's just no money for updating, for, you know, revising the information that kids are taught. And I know that in other parts of the country, kids are taught from textbooks that are censored. Um, they're edited based on the yes. religious or political leanings of that particular part of the country. So the the school system is a mess depending on where you go, and yet we're seeing new ways of of educating kids, whether it's homeschooling, charter schools, magnet schools, um, you know, just different types of public schools that are trying new things out. I think it's definitely improving a little. And now that they're going to get rid of No Child Left Behind and maybe cut back on some of the ridiculous testing, (laughs) it will improve things. But I will tell you that I went to public school. I, you know, I got B's, I got a few A's, but most of what I learned, and and I probably shouldn't say this, kids stay in school, but most of what I learned was on my own. I was just such an avid learner that I, I learned what I needed to learn to get through school. 
I got home and I was reading and I was exploring yeah. and I was, you know, looking for information on my own. And now kids have the Internet to do that with. And a lot of them are way advanced in oh, the scope yeah. of their knowledge. One so of the my, things yeah. that I envy them is you can get on the Internet and do a search and you can find some really opposite opinions about a lot of subjects. So they have to look at both sides. Yeah. Exactly. No, it isn't spoon-fed to them. This is what we believe or this is how it is. It can't be any other way. Um, and, and it takes right. some of the bias out of it, at least if they're looking for things instead of chatting or I aming or whatever it is. Well, you know, and they're growing up in the era of technology. And yep. the negative to that is that they're not as appreciative of nature as, you know, some of us were that grew up playing outside. But I think for the future that they're going to be facing, they need to have this grasp of technology. And they also need to use that technology, hopefully, to solve some of the huge problems that their generation is going to face. Climate change, you know, lack of of water, privatization of water, and, uh, you know, dealing with GMOs and and pollution and the toxic poisoning of our bodies, those are things that they are going to be able to use some of this cutting-edge technology to deal with. So I can't say that I hate the, the fact that this technology is so pervasive in my son's life um, because it's, there are so many benefits to it. And as long as he understands it and he's really good at it, it gives him that advantage. Back to the book. (laughs) Back to the book. Talk a little bit about surveillance. You know, we're surveilled. How are we? And is there any way to keep our personal information private? Okay. Getting back to the the you know technology <laughs> being everywhere that's how we're being surveilled in in the you know via being online and our cell phones and gadgets they're all tracking our every move everything that we buy our advert you know our uh, marketing patterns and in many cases search words and key phrases that you know, that that are being tracked for possible terrorist activity or, you know, what have you. As a writer, I search for a lot of really strange subjects. So hopefully the NSA understands, well, she's a writer. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Um, yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. One of the downsides of technology is that it allows us to be watched and monitored and listened to in addition to the satellites that are out in orbit that are watching and listening, and now drones that have that same capability. So, and then there's cameras on street corners. So, yeah, we're always being, uh, and the more paranoid society becomes, the more we're being watched. And, you know, you ask the question, how do we avoid that? Honestly, the only way would be to have no technology and stay at home. And I don't think that that. that's feasible for a lot of people. So, you know, you have to do little things like 
turn off the location tracker in your cell phone or uh, Facebook Messenger, turn off that if you can. I happen to use it a lot. But there are a lot of things that people can learn about, uh, just little things that they can do to stop the pervasive eyes and ears that are upon us. And a lot of times it's not just the government, it's advertisers, it's corporations that want oh, to Oh, we're followed we on the Internet. I, I can search for something, and the next thing I search for, I have an ad for what you know what, where I was before. Uh, right. I mean, it happens in a couple minutes. What and you about have that ad for TV the next few weeks, and you say to yourself, I already purchased this. Why are you bombarding yeah, why me? why are you that? bugging me? Leave me alone. <laughs> or they don't know that I purchased it. They just know I was there. But maybe I'd want some more of whatever. Exactly, you know. exactly. It seems to me that TV, or basically the entertainment industry, has a serious impact on our minds and our thinking. What's your take on that? Am I just, is that my area of paranoia? Well, it does, but there's some good and there's some bad. Because I'm a storyteller, and I love the good things that the entertainment industry does, the the wonderful movies and television shows and novels and things that entertain us and, and make us think and get into our subconscious mind and change our minds and ideas. I love that side of it. You know, on the other side, you've got the negative aspects, especially in the news media, because their job is to get us to accept a a reality that may not actually be real. When you go to a movie like Star Wars, you know that what you're seeing is not real. It's, It's a fictional story. It's a movie. Ironically, now when you turn on your your news, you're seeing less reality and less truth than you probably are when you go see Star Wars. And the good side of entertainment is that often the stories that are being told have powerful, powerful themes that affect the subconscious and influence the way that we think. And that can be one good. Of the, um, one of the but things it's also that used concerns- for bad. One of the things that concerns me is, you know, the show after show of people being murdered. Um, yes. and because, and shooting. Yeah. yeah. And even the cartoons. And in the cartoons, whoever it is that gets shot gets up and runs away. Right. You know, they're, exactly. they're back in the next cartoon. Um, they fall off a cliff and kind of have little dizzy circles above their head, and then they hop up and continue. And, and to me, that says, you know, I can hurt somebody, but they'll be okay later. Right, right, right. We're not being shown the response, the outcomes uh, or the consequences of violence. And But, you know, the funny thing is, is those violent cartoons have been around since Forever. Like, the 40s. And it only seems like recently interpersonal violence is, is such a problem because I think that we had the, the mentality and the mindset at that time to know this isn't really how death and violence works. But now, like you said, every show on TV, there's guns drawn. It's a joke every single show. Somebody's holding the gun out in that pose that they always use or... You've got people killing each other and dying and cop shows and hospital shows. It's death, death, blood that you, you know, 
you start to go crazy if yeah, you Yeah, I can't watch them anymore. Of it. I, no, I don't either. I don't even watch I turn on to a game show if there is one or just yeah, turn it off I, altogether. Or I love old sitcoms. <laughs> but well, some I, of the you know, those kind of I, some of those are, are good, but most of those are not and I you know, where do you go? So I'm it, watching yeah. things like The Voice and you know, and that's a that's beautiful. I mean, the music is wonderful, but there there's not much choice. No, if there you don't isn't. Want to watch I think all just the people have to become more discerning about where they put their focus. And people, you know, like my son plays a lot of video games, but I have a very intelligent son who knows he's playing a video game. Right. And you know, it. it I think that parents, if they talk to their children <coughs> and make sure that they understand the difference between what they're seeing on a screen and, and you know, the reality of life. Uh, so a lot of times parents getting more involved with kids, but even for us adults, all of that stuff goes into our subconscious. And we start to desensitize towards death and violence. And then we have, a, you know, school shootings or terrible mass massacres every week. And we start to become desensitized. Like, oh, well, another one. There's you know, I, that's exactly right. You know, the other day with the San Bernardino thing, I thought, oh, my gosh, there's another one. Yeah. And that was, there, there wasn't any of that, oh, my gosh, how horrible... Uh, you know, compassion, yes, but I, I didn't dwell on it like I did in the beginning. Right, it, and because we almost it's every week. To, right, we stop fighting it. We stop, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, saying, "Oh, this has got to stop," because we've become kind of numb to it. And I don't know if there's a hidden agenda behind there, or it's just the trajectory that society is on. You know, all great empires, all great societies come to a fall because of this things like this and maybe we're on that same trajectory where we have gotten so far away from our own humanity that you know we're headed for a big fall unless we change our ways i don't know what the deeper cause is but when i see in myself that even i'm getting desensitized and i'm not getting angry and 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 wanting to stop this, wow, and I think, well, there are millions of people like me that probably feel the same way. What is, a, think, what is our future going to be? I think a lot of people are, and, and the thing that's coming to me now is, you know, is this how we get people into cults? They just get desensitized until they find something that soothes them or feels better? That's Talk one a of the ways. about cults. Sure, and I think politics is and religion, you know, not every religion, but I think that organized religion and politics operate, <clears throat> excuse me, along the same lines as cults do. And so does the media when you come to think of it. A, a cult is a group of people that feel like they're being heard and understood and acknowledged. And the, the leaders of oh. that cult are charismatic, charming psychopaths who know how to draw upon a, a person's lack of identity, lack of worth, by making them feel accepted. And once they're sucked into the cult, then they're, they're powerless. They'll do anything because they want to continue to get that positive reinforcement that they got when they were first drawn in. 
but a lot of people that go into cults end up being abused. Their money is taken. They're they're you know sexually abused, raped, uh, beaten, what have you. And not everybody who goes into a cult makes it out alive, as we very well know. So we have yes. a lot of people who believe these charismatic leaders who are egomaniacs, narcissists, psychopaths, you name it, but they are appealing to a person's desire to be accepted, to be brought into a family that maybe they don't have in real life, Uh, you know, loners and people who feel misunderstood. And one of the biggest, most interesting things that we learned is that People that join cults or people that get sucked into cults are often very intelligent. It has nothing to do with intellect. It has to do with empathy. The more empathic and compassionate you are as a human being, the more of a target you are to a cult because they play upon that empathy. They play upon your compassion. And if you have low self-worth, that's even better. Oh, that's really perfect. Absolutely. They'll make you feel important and seen and acknowledged. And they keep telling you, as I I haven't been in one, but as I understand it, that, and some religions do this as well, if you leave, you can't make it. In some places, you're going to be damned to hell. Uh, and some of them, you just can't make it out in the world because you're not strong enough without right. us. You need and, us and to survive. You yeah. need us, and there's <laughs> such fear. That's absolutely true. Not having that support system that's, yeah. that you've had then, even though it's abusive. And it's that scary. is mind control at its finest because you literally come to have your mind be reprogrammed by the cult leaders, uh, by the politicians, by the, excuse me, the religious leaders, by whoever, um, your thoughts are no longer your own. And and the more you try to fight it, the more that they're going to try to control you. Now, people do escape cults, and they always talk about how difficult it is to reprogram their subconscious back to a sense of wholeness and, you know, their own personal identity. It's almost as if their identity was destroyed and replaced with a new identity when they oh, were I part of the Oh, I think it was. <laughs> Don't you think it really was? Absolutely, absolutely. That's why I think it, a lot of them, when they're told to commit suicide, to go meet the mothership, you know, as with the Heaven's Gate cult or, you know, or Jones, how he persuaded, what, 900 people to kill themselves and their children, your mind is no longer your own. Absolutely not. On that note, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the tools and techniques and if there's any way to guard against mind control. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more with Marie Jones in just a moment. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. 
Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Marie Jones. We've been talking about her book, Mind Wars, and uh, about the whole subject of mind control. Uh, if you haven't seen the book, be sure you do get it. You can get it on Amazon, probably at any bookstore, Mind Wars, A History of Mind Control, Surveillance, and Social Engineering by the Government, Media, and Secret Societies. We haven't had a chance to touch on a lot of those things, so please do read this book Underneath the title, it says, Who's Been Watching You from the Shadows? And that's kind of what we've been talking about. Some of it's subtle and some not so subtle. Marie, if somebody wants to reach you, how can they do that? They can reach me through my website, which is www.mariedjones.com. I can be emailed through the website. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well under Marie D. Jones. I'll have to tweet you. Tweet. <laughs> Social networking. Oh, wow. We didn't talk about that, huh? No, we didn't. There's so many things we haven't touched on. Yeah. We might have to have you back and do this again. Because Absolutely. We'll do there's part a whole, two. There's a whole year of shows here. Actually, there's yeah, a whole lifetime yeah, of shows here. Uh, and, and so many things we didn't get to touch on. What are some of the tools or techniques that's used to control another person's mind? How do we recognize when these are being used on us? Or how do we recognize when we're doing it to someone else without being aware? 
this is where it gets really personal. And again, these are the same techniques that are being used on us by the government, by the media, by cults, if you know we happen to run into any, by politicians, religious leaders. And basically, one of the most important is reinforcement. And the use of reinforcement is something that we, we do even with our pets, where we're trying to train our dogs or you know, our animals. And positive reinforcement, obviously, being praise and and, and love um, and attention and negative reinforcement is punishment. But the most powerful technique in mind control is intermittent reinforcement. And that is where you start off treating someone in a positive manner. But every now and then you throw in a little bit of, of violence, say like in a, a domestic violence situation where you hit, hit your, somebody hits their spouse. But it only happens once, and then the rest of the week, they're good as gold. And then it happens again. And so you have this pattern of intermittent reinforcement of positive with a little negative thrown in. And it ends up really driving the victim to a point of almost insanity because they come to live for the moments of kindness. And in doing that, they will accept incredible amounts of punishment and even violence. And it's just something in our human nature that allows this to happen. Um, Coercive persuasion is another thing that you see often with politicians, excuse me, and the media, the use of rhetoric and dogma. And these are things that we do to each other, too. We try to talk people onto our side of the argument. We try to manipulate facts and put spin on things and, and, you know, take uh, our opinion and try to call that a fact. We do all this kind of stuff with each other, but it's also being done to us. And I think the more people become aware of how we manipulate other people, to get them to think, behave, act, and, you know, just be more like we are or how we want them to be, the more we can fight it, the more we can just turn away from it <clears throat> and not do it to other people ourselves. Um, one of the things that I found out is that when you become aware of the way the media spins news stories, when you actually take time to go research a news story to see what the truth is, it's almost shocking to find out how much news, quote-unquote, nowadays gets passed off that is actually opinion. I would take the and, word almost shock. I would take almost out of that. Yeah, there you it go. It's <laughs> shocking. It is shocking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just, you and, know... And when you hear the opposite opinion on another... In another place, you think, what? well, I've heard this from three places already. How can it be right. that this place is so different? And you think, right. oh, yeah. We've, but we've the way that they way. get us is they distract us with an overload of information so that we don't have the time or the energy to look into things on a deeper level. So if they can distract you with Kanye and what's-her-face, Kim Kardashian's new baby's name and who's dating who and, you know, what did Prince Harry do today? If they can distract you with enough of that, you're not going to notice the little things that they're slipping by in the background, the little things that they're getting away with in the background. But once you open your eyes and really take a good look at what is passing for news, you can never 
go back to the old way of looking at things. It's very, very shocking. No, and it's harder and harder to watch the news even to get, you know, the tidbits. Um, you know, I, I, I've reached the point that I get a little angry around the edges, <laughs> maybe more than that, but right. well, we won't go there. Is there a way to guard against mind control, having somebody else control yours? Yes, absolutely. And I think that it's, I hate to use the word meditation because people all go, oh, I don't have time. But in a sense, you, you have to constantly be meditating on everything external that you're exposed to, other people's ideas, beliefs, uh, you know, the news, the media, what have you. You have to think about what you're thinking about. And then ask yourself, is this something that really resonates with me? Is this a truth for me? Or is this somebody else's truth that I'm just buying into because I, I was raised that way? Or I'm too lazy to look into a subject. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and believe that because I'm lazy. <laughs> I think you really have to get honest with yourself and ask yourself, are my thoughts my own? And if not, how can I start replacing the thoughts that come from external sources with my own? You know what? We've gone right back to where almost every show we do on this on this show ends. It's about self-awareness. Yes. It's yes. about self-awareness. Oh, well, we always end up at self-awareness. How about that? So I'll ask yeah. the question again. What do you believe that nobody told you you had to believe, but you came to it by thinking it through on your own? Right, um, right. That's kind of where it is. Is there a way to regain control of your mind? Awareness. Stay alert. Awareness. Stay aware. Don't yeah. just believe anything anybody tells you. Yeah, oh, authority. To, we are <laughs> right stuff. up at the end of the show. Is there a thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, I just think people need to know how powerful they are and to take back that power because if you don't, then you have nothing to complain about with your government and your politics and, and the media and, and this, that, and the other thing. If you take back your power, they can't have so much power over you. I could not agree with you more. Marie, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been such a delight, and we will definitely have to have you back. I would love to. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Irene Conlon and Marie Jones saying thank you for being with us today. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for The Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.